The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The brain is our personal tool to keep us at our best and realize self-esteem. The mind, body, and immune system work together to help us make the right choices and to reach our purpose and potential. Welcome to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Lindsay and her guests are the go-to experts when it comes to relationships, sexuality, parenting, and wellness. We're here to enlighten and inform you. Now, here is your host, Lindsay Levinson. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson. I'm your host here at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets, and I thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for finding the show. Did you find it on archive? Are you listening live? Any way you find it is a good way to find it, and we're just glad to have you here, so it's great. You know, we have a special guest today, and we're really going to start talking about, you know, kind of life and some deep stuff. Like, these are really exciting and changing times for all of us. We're starting to choose and focus to do different things in this life. And what's your priority? What are you interested in? What is your passion? But this really expands to teenagers, to baby boomers and beyond. You know, trying to make some changes that can make a difference is is something that we're hearing more and more about and maybe changing old patterns in trade for original action plans. What do we think about that? So I'm going to introduce our guest in a minute. I do want to tell you the website it's a little, um, I want to say wordsy, but it's more lettery. <laughs> so I want you to take down your pen. It's www. It's Prairie Sage Permaculture. But Prairie is P-R-A-I-R-I-E-S-A-G-E. And then permaculture is right backed up to it. No spaces, but P-E-R-M-A-C-U-L-T-U-R-E.com. So it is prairiesagepermaculture.com. And you can also write them at info at prairiesagepermaculture.com. So there's your couple options, and I like you to have them. Of course, for us, I always ask, hey, go to Facebook, would you? We have so many changes happening right now, tremendous growth, a really big time for us. And so Facebook is just illuminating now, all one word. There are questions and answers and things that go on on that page. And we love to announce your name on the air. We love to say your answer. And we love to build the community of people who are helping each other learn. So that's Facebook. Twitter is at Sign Illuminating Now. Also kind of blowing up. A lot of stuff there too. In the last couple months, probably over 3,000 followers. So take a look. See what's going on. It's interesting. Qualityforlifecoaching.com. Forwards. No numbers. Qualityforlifecoaching.com. That's my website. And I won't dwell on it. I'll just say, go there, take a look. It's got a lot of exciting things, interactive, iTunes, blog, lots of stuff. So you are here to hear this individual who's going to share some really interesting stuff. And I want to tell you a bit more about Ted Barr, the man I'm about to introduce and bring onto the show. Ted Barr is a certified permaculturist. So what is that? So we're going to find out. 
And he's the founder of Prairie Sage Permaculture in Calgary, Canada. So his designs have been featured in CBC Radio, Calgary Herald, and Canada.com. Growing up in an urban environment was not enough to keep Ted from acquiring a profound respect for nature in its untapped wisdom. After some abrupt changes in his life during 2009 and the recession, it was time to pursue his passions. Good for him, right? Because when people pursue their passions, great things happen. He soon learned of the concept of permaculture, which is only now beginning to really make inroads in North America, but quickly becoming renowned as the answer to the world's environmental concerns, food security issues, dependencies on limited resources. We need to be thinking about these things, and I know many of us are. Ted is deeply passionate about creating more resilient communities by educating people of all ages about how humans can benefit from a healthy relationship with nature and the environment and take responsibility for our own existence rather than depending on unsustainable and unstable systems for our survival. He offers permaculture workshops, retreats, and is also the creator of the yearly Calgary Permaculture Tour. So this is the first of its kind in that city, connecting people to the pioneers and innovators of the green movement. So how exciting to learn about this and understand it and really get some more information so we can make some choices if we want it in our life. Ted will be editing and co-authoring the e-magazine called, quote, The Regeneration, unquote. It's a journal of success stories relating to regenerative lifestyles, permaculture innovations, and the harmonious integration of humans and their natural environment. And that's due out this fall. So again, look at the website because you get to see what's going on and what things are coming up and what Ted is doing. So a little bit lengthy, a little bit chatty, but I would like to say to you, welcome. <laughs> Busy man, very, uh, very involved in so many things. Welcome, Ted Barr, to the show. Hey there, Lindsay. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. How are you doing? I'm great, and it's really good to have you here. And I'm excited because things, there are lots of, like permaculture, it's, it's an interesting word. And as I brought up to different people that it was going to be on, some got it, many didn't. So I, lo- I love that. The more that people don't know, that means you're about to educate 20, 30, 40,000 people. So it's all good stuff. So we're about to talk about innovative thinking, but really, I think, deeply based in old traditions. So let's just start with the definition. Let's really start helping people, you know, join us here with permaculture. What is that? Oh, yes. And, and you're definitely right on that. It's a very exciting sort of movement that is happening now. And it's just beginning now to take root. Um, so what is permaculture? Well, if you were to ask, say, 100 different permaculturists for their definition of permaculture, <laughs> probably yeah. end up with oh, about 100 different answers. And <laughs> this... Uh, sort of goes to show how versatile this field really is. Uh, but yeah. I'll give you my definition, which is okay. really the only right definition. So listen <laughs> to anybody else. <laughs> I'm kidding, but uh, permaculture is actually a way of designing human living spaces by working in harmony with nature rather than against it. Um, it seeks to sort of support human survival and well-being by using the materials and the energies that nature provides us. Basically, uh, it's about reconnecting people with their natural environment in meaningful ways and breaking down the barriers that we've created between ourselves and nature through our modern lifestyles. Um, 
in order to support ourselves, heal ourselves, and to heal our planet. Um, the term permaculture itself was actually coined by a gentleman by the name of Bill Mollison and his counterpart, uh, David Holmgren, in 1978 in Australia. And it was originally meant as a combination of the words permanent and agriculture. Um, mm. It was eventually expanded to combine the words permanent and culture as it became realized that its principles could be applied to include not only agriculture, but human culture as a whole. I love it. I love yeah. it. And, and how, how insightful is that? Because that's the whole truth of what I know you're going to certainly explain a lot more, but you know, the sustainability or the creation of connection to resources and land and nature and human. I mean, that is culture. That's, that's, it certainly involves agriculture, but we're looking at a cultural shift, you know, a, a true paradigm shift in things if we, if we take this further. Yeah, and, so, and I mean, you know, sustainability and sort of saving the environment, it, it has a lot uh, more to do with, uh, with our culture and our society then we realize um, it's not just about, you know, trying to, to cut back on our use of natural resources and clean up uh, the environment. It's, um, it's more about our attitudes toward the environment and toward Mother Nature. Um, so say, and, say more about that. I mean, that's a really excellent point, which I know the listeners, you know, right at this moment. Okay, what do you mean, change your attitude? What can they do? Well, the thing is, we've, we've like I say, put up these walls between ourselves and nature. We, um, we go to the grocery store to obtain our food. We, we don't even, half of us don't even realize where our food comes from. Um, and most of us don't even uh, spend even like a day, a week in, in, a, in Mother Nature, right? So, right. Um, and w- with permaculture, what we do is we're, we're trying to bring nature back to us and uh, develop an understanding through sort of observation. With permaculture, we, we use the careful and thoughtful observation of nature in order to determine how our designs are to function. So when we're, whenever we're trying to um, create a design around the home, like a, a new home design or a yard design, landscape, what have you, <clears throat> we try to understand what it is that nature achieves in a natural environment and uh, attempt to mimic that in our own designs. And we look at how the system functions as a whole rather than as separate pieces. Um, when we look at a natural ecosystem, for example, we realize that there's no one around to pull weeds, pour fertilizer, or spray pesticides, um, till the soil, or even turn on the water. And in fact, entire forests are able to not only survive but thrive without any person there to lift a finger. So in other words, we look for ways of allowing nature to provide these resources in the systems that we design for ourselves, for our homes and our landscapes and so forth. So who are the kind of people that you work with? I mean, when you say we do this and we do that, so clearly this is a passion of yours and you've become an expert. Um, what kind of team do you build to be able to, to you know, create this kind of environment or resources or something that would ever mimic nature without the needs that we have today? Yeah, uh, there are a lot of people um, for just discovering this right now, but there is sort of a, a closely knit, tight group of people uh, that are currently involved in, in my city, in, in Calgary, in Canada here. And um, we know each other like, like brothers and sisters, basically, and um, 
lot of us are starting our own businesses, um, and we sort of specialize in, in, in whatever it is that we're good at. And um, we, we sort of just kind of shoot ideas off of each other and uh, um, give each other a, a little bit of uh, advice once in a while and offer services and, and that sort of thing, and even recommend each other to uh, various clients. So it's... it's um, Quite a little family we got going here so far. That's very cool. Is that are these people you've grown up with? I mean, I, again, I'm picturing listeners. Now, this is a global show, so there's so many cultures that, in some ways, would be very much like that. And then, you know, there's North America, which knowing all your, you know, neighbors and calling them your brothers and sisters, and having communities that are small where everyone's working on projects. We're a little bit less apt to be doing that, although I think we actually all wish we were. I think people yeah. long, long for that, but aren't necessarily um, finding access to it. How do you, did, did you grow up with people with the same goals? Are you just now, you know, you're launching something and people take interest in each other's business? How does permaculture become something that becomes a vision and, a, and you know, this grassroots movement that people really want to join and be a part of? Yeah, well, it, you're definitely right in that. Actually, um, in North America, we don't generally keep in contact with uh, a lot of the people that we've grown up with and that sort of thing. Um, but these people that I'm talking about um, are fairly new uh, acquaintances, and uh, we've more or less met, met through the permaculture community. And um, as you mentioned earlier, you know, Facebook is is an amazing tool. As well as Twitter, um, so and you just kind of have to know where to look, and it's word of mouth, um, and people will connect you up, up to other people, and, uh, and yeah, it's um, you know like so. But like I say, a lot of these people I've only known for say about three or four years, um, but they're amazing people. I can say that pretty much about every one of them that they all sort of they really care. You know what I mean? Like they, they actually yes. live from the heart. Um, they're not doing it for their egos. They're not doing it for uh, to become rich or uh, or anything like that. They're actually doing it because they care about themselves and they care about uh, everyone around them. What a fabulous way to be a part of any movement, let alone what you do for a living. So, so talk to me a little bit about general rules then used in permaculture, like Designing landscapes, you know, when you and I first talked, I, I was interested in, in kind of the delineation of is, is permaculture this just big concept? Is it truly something that's practical application? Are you really designing landscapes or people's backyards or can people really grow their own organic foods or, you know, sustain themselves? So talk to me a little bit about what that all looks like. Yeah, and it's really surprising, um, especially uh, coming from the climate that I'm currently living in, which is uh, sort of considered a cold, temperate climate, uh, people often think that not a lot of stuff grows up here. Um, they think, oh, it's just apples, and that's the only tree that produces fruit up here, and uh, the rest is just annual vegetables like peas and carrots. But uh, it's really quite surprising how, how many different things we can grow up here. Um, and, and you can do it organically, and you can do it you know, fairly sustain- sustainably. Um, but uh, they're even producing apricots up here, which is, is more or less thought of as something that only grows on, on the coast or in, in, uh, in British Columbia, where they only have like two months of winter. Where 
guys, Calgary has like nine months of, of winter. Um, but when, when you actually do it in, in a thoughtful way and, and uh, design these things so that you're capturing the maximum amount of energy, the solar energy and everything else, um, it's surprising what you can accomplish up here. I, there's so many rules uh, in permaculture to, to cover. There's uh, principles, ethics, and tenets, and everything else like that. But um, I, I can go over a, a few of the main principles. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, just to sort sort of start off, um, I, I want to kind of give you a theme. Um, so, going back to our, our forest example, what is it that makes a system so resilient? It's not because each uh, individual plant and animal species are actually fighting each other to stay alive. In permaculture, the concept of survival of the fittest is no longer really as relevant as it once was. Uh, Instead, we look at how different species cooperate instead of compete. Mm. In other words, relationships, right? Right. So how does each species connect with the others in the system, in any living system? We talk about this in terms of um, what each species needs and what it can yield to the other species. For example, an oak tree produces acorns. This would be the yield, uh, which are then consumed by the squirrels or the birds. Those animals then sort of cycle these nutrients and return them to the soil for the tree to consume at a later time and for the other plants to consume as well. So it's concepts like these which we learn uh, when we observe how things happen in the natural world, and we take those in, and uh, apply them in our designs. Um, so as I mentioned, there are many rules, uh, but to know and fully understand most of these rules, you'd have to take like a full course of permaculture. But for starters, I'll provide you um, just kind of a rundown of the 12 basic principles uh, with a brief description. And, um, but keep in mind that this is not everything that there is to know. Okay. Um, so basically the first permaculture principle, rule number one, is observe and interact. And, and that's basically speaking to your, your position in, in your environment. So by taking time to engage and understand nature, we can design solutions that answer our needs. And at the same time, we want to observe a site for a period of time before we begin the work of designing it. Um, all too often we arbitrarily throw things together in a mad rush to get it done without first taking the time to understand what's happening in in this environment. Uh, For example, after a few weeks of observation, we might notice that water tends to pool in a certain area of your yard. Uh, As a designer, we will actually try to use this to our advantage instead of trying to eliminate it. Um, So we might plant a a wetland or a pond there instead. So rule number two would be catch and store energy. And this is kind of an obvious one, maybe to some people, but uh, by developing systems that store and harness uh, resources at peak abundance, we can use them in future times of need. So, so many times in, um, in modern urban design, we tend to design ways of eliminating natural resources as quickly as possible, if you've noticed this. Uh, take, for example, water. I mean, everywhere you look, why are we in such a hurry to get rid of the water, right? There's so many uh, cities, especially in, in, in the uh, sort of continental climates of, of North America, that 
are de- are desperate for water, right? Right. Um, but after all, it's necessary for 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 life on this planet. We we need water. Uh, take a close look at the way our cities are designed, and you'll notice that they're made so that water it is shed from the landscape as quickly as possible. Um, from the east of our homes to the gutters, and then down into the sewers. Um, all are made so that water is removed. Well, that is not how it works in nature. Nature tries to hold on to water uh, for as long as possible, uh, such as in a wetland or even in rivers that meander instead of going, taking a straight line out of the forest. Um, but a city is virtually designed to be a, de- a desert, and so when we become, so then we sort of become dependent on the municipal water supply instead. And for that, right. money and um, time and, and labor and, and that sort of thing. So in permaculture, we use what nature is already supplying us instead of wasting energy and time creating and maintaining systems to do these things artificially. So that was uh, principle number two. Okay. Um, principle number three would be to obtain a yield. Uh, in other words, ensure that basically you're getting truly useful yields as part of the work that, that you're doing. I mean, that's self-explanatory. In other words, don't waste time and energy if you are only harvesting a bucket of cherries uh, off an acre of trees, right? If you find right. something's not working, um, it needs to be rethought and needs to be redesigned. Uh, number four would be applying self-regulation and accepting feedback. And we need to recognize how our own activity can affect the system as a whole, ensuring that we continue to have a positive effect in order to ensure that systems continue to function well or even better in the future. Uh, this is a big one, of course, for the current state of affairs in our environment, right? Um, but it should be also applied in, in a small scale of your own home. If you observe something that you're harvesting too much, uh, such as orac, which is a, a sort of perennial leafy vegetable, and you see that you're taking all the leaves off of it, let's say, and it seems to be dying, well then, you know, stop. I mean, it's, it's common sense, right? But uh, yes. we don't often, you know, uh, take that into consideration. We just um, eat all, all we want to eat and, and that sort of thing. So you kind of have to adjust your activity uh, as you go, you know, right. compensate for these, for our often destructive nature, I guess. Sure. Accountability. Accountability. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. What's uh, number five? Number five would be use and value resources. So make the best of the best use of nature's abundance in order to reduce your consumptive behavior and dependence on non-renewable resources. So basically, anything necessary for us to survive can be found in nature, right? Um, why use something which requires tremendous amounts of energy and time to to produce when we can obtain it with little or no effort for free. Right? Right. Nature provides so much stuff for us in, in the way of food, um, energy, uh, you know, sunlight and rain and everything. Um, why not take advantage of that? I mean, buying apples at $2 a pound from the grocery store does not make much sense when, uh, when you can have a tree or two in your yard producing fresh fruit. Interesting. Okay, what's number six? Number six is uh, produce no waste. Um, by valuing and making use of all the resources that are available to us, nothing goes to waste. Now, 
this is kind of a big one, and, and uh, we know that now with the environmental movement and everything, but use everything that you produce. For everything that you make or um, that, that, that is waste, you, you can actually find a way of using it. And if you can't use it, <clears throat> find someone or something that can. Uh, you, if you, but let's say, for example, you can't use the scraps of food that you produce from preparing a uh, meal. Well, the worms can definitely make use of it, and then the plants make use of the so- soil that the, uh, the worms produce after that. All right. So number seven would be design from patterns to details. <clears throat> so once we carefully observe patterns in nature and society, these can form the backbone of our designs uh, with the details more or less filled in as we go. So start big with an overall understanding of the environment and the design and then uh, where various components will go and then work on details such as the types of plants and so forth once you've established the overall scheme. Uh, number eight would be integrate rather than segregate. And you'll notice that a lot of these rules can actually be applied to life in general, right? Our social situations. Absolutely. Um, so integrate rather than segregate. Upon observing and educating ourselves uh, about each element in a system, we can better understand where it can be placed in relation to the other elements um, in order to have the most positive effect. So it is with this method that positive and supportive relationships develop, creating more productive outcomes than would otherwise be seen in um, isolating elements. When we plant what is known as the Three Sisters Guild, for example, you might have heard of that one. Um, it's used by, it was used by indigenous cultures uh, in the Americas, and it consists of corn, beans, and squash all planted together. And the effect of each of these plants um, on the others results in actually more food production per square foot of land. They've actually done studies on this. This is and so interesting. We, we are going to have to cut to break, so sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably stop you at number eight because there's, uh, and everything you're saying makes me think of a bunch of more questions I want to ask you, but, um, but let's stop right there. Remember what you're saying because we, we are talking to Ted Barr. We are talking about permaculture. If you don't know what it is, you know, rewind because we've been starting to talk about he's naming certainly some of the principles and um, we have a lot more to come and some layman's terms that we can help you understand how you can get involved so Lindsay Levinson illuminating now Lindsay's Life Secrets with Ted Barr we'll be right back Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Women can live their lives to the fullest and realize their dreams for growth and greatness. Georgine Summers knows. As host of On the Edge, Georgine will give you powerful tools and rules to help you change direction in your life and get rid of the fears that stop you from living your dreams. Stretch your boundaries and become the amazing person you've always wanted to be. On the Edge with Georgine Summers airs live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. 
You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Have you learned how to play the money game? There are all kinds of rules when it comes to money. Should I spend it now or save it for the ultimate rainy day? If I make a tiny mistake now, will it really affect everything in the long term? For the answers, tune in to Cultivate Your Financial Health with Wayne Firebaugh. You'll come away from each show with a better understanding of the rules of money and how it sets up your future. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time with a replay Saturdays at 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. To connect with Lindsay or her guest, please call in to the show at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. That's l-i-n-z-i-244 at sbcglobal.net. Now, back to Illuminating Now. Hi, we are back. Lindsay Levinson here. I am your host. It is Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets, and thanks for coming back. And I hope you're tuning in through the whole show because it's a lot of interesting information, and some of it you may completely get, some of it may be foreign. But as we move through the show, we hope to really be able to incorporate you and the understanding of what Ted Barr, our guest, from PrairieSagePermaculture.com, if you want to look him up, um, you know, he's here to explain permaculture. And so we're, you know, right now he was talking about the principles and we were on number eight. Um, there are 12. So we'll go through those and, and continue on. And then I have some really, you know, some kind of specific questions, Ted, where I want to sort of know that I'm picturing being a listener and wanting to know, well, can I do this in my backyard? Or you're somebody like a scientist. You're really smart. I don't even know what you're talking about. So I'm not sure I'd ever be able to join in this type of movement. So I want to get a little more down home to where, you know, talk about the things you're doing to incorporate people to be able to really do these things. So let's, let's continue on. Eight was integrate rather than segregate. And these were all, we, we were noticing that they were relational concepts too, not just nature, but true relationship ways of survival. So what's number nine? Okay, so um, number nine would be use small and slow solutions. In other words, sort of make, uh, take your time. Um, small and slow systems are easier to maintain than big ones. 
uh, making better use of local resources and producing more sustainable outcomes. In addition, it is better, when possible, to make gradual changes to a living system so that nature actually has time to adjust to those changes. In other words, you don't want to remove a wetland or a bunch of trees and leave various creatures that live there uh, without a home and so forth. And so number 10 would be uh, use and value diversity. So diversity reduces vulnerability to a variety of threats and takes advantage of the unique role that each uh, sort of element plays in the environment in which it resides. So basically a perfect example of, of this is when we choose to plant um, a number of species in one space rather than a single crop. So for example, you'll plant a, a couple of cabbages in amongst some strawberries, some rhubarb, and a black currant shrub or two. And what happens is the common pests are more confused and not as readily able to locate their preferred food source. Whereas if you had planted 100 cabbages in one area, the white cabbage moths would easily find it and the entire crop would be more or less devastated. Um, number seven would be use edges and value the marginal. Now, this is a really interesting one. Um, and the way it's sort of been described is the interface between things is where the most interesting events take place. Uh, these are often the most valuable, diverse, and productive elements in the system. For example, the edge of a pond or river shore. That's where you'll often find um, the highest number of species living. In fact, you'll see both marine species and land species of both plant and animal kingdom living there. So we try to do this in permaculture uh, by taking advantage of, of as much edge as possible, if you will. Finally, number 12 is creatively use and respond to change. And again, this is a, a definite one for um, you know, psychologists or um, anybody in, in sociology. We can have a, a positive impact on inevitable change by carefully observing and then intervening uh, at the right time. So sometimes in life, change is inevitable. And here is where we try to say the problem is the solution. When we first observe a problem, the trick is to try to work with it and turn it into a positive. For example, too much rain or a wet spot in the yard, but like I mentioned earlier, instead of trying to divert water away, let's take advantage of the situation and plant something that enjoys being wet and uh, can also produce something useful to us, such as cranberries or water chestnuts. As well, hostas love moisture, cattails are edible, and grown ponds, etc., etc. So there's your 12 uh, permaculture principles, Lindsay. Um, I hope you remember them all. <laughs> you can't give me a test or anything, but um, they're very intriguing because in the world of psychology... Um, yeah, I am taking it in, in in relational, as I said, dynamics. And so how interesting our relationship to nature and then our relationship to each other and then our connection, as you talk about even a grassroots movement, it's got to do with people's attitudes and true integrity and intention to support right. something like this so that people can come together. So it's just interesting these aren't 12 esoteric nature, you know, details that we all are just completely lost on, they're, they're all very um, inviting when you talk about whatever integrated rather than segregated or to, you know, slow and small solutions. I mean, how great is that? That's, <laughs> we would want to tell anybody that if they're having a problem, you know, hey, 
slow steps and you know like you can get through this if you don't think so big that you overwhelm yourself so it's that's uh, right and, and i mean that's how it uh, kind of relates to the average person too i mean i'm i'm no scientist either like just like yourself but uh i i can relate to this i can apply it to my own life and um that's really what makes it exciting is because it um it really pertains to all of us and all of our lifestyles we can all find something in it to um to make use of. Right. So talk to me then about the difference, because again, I'm, I, I can imagine this is getting very intriguing for many people, and yet they would feel still somehow removed, like, oh, you know, Ted, he knows everything, so I know nothing, so there's just not going to be room for me to join in on something. What's the difference between permaculture and conventional gardening and industrial agriculture, these different terms and what people are doing? You know, what's the difference? Yeah, okay. Well, um, firstly, when we engage in conventional gardening or agriculture, we generally just decide what we want, want to grow and, uh, and plant it. Now, this rarely takes into account any observations of the environment, nor what might be best for uh, the system as a whole. Um, now, when I say system, this could mean a landscape, the environment, or the needs of the people who might benefit from the planting. Um, look at how most of us plant our gardens in rows with one crop or all together, and uh, most of us plant so many annual crops that we end up having to repeat the process every year. I mean, there's no planning in that at all. And the same goes for industrial agriculture. The result is that we, we need to continually pour more and more energy into the system in the form of pesticides, uh, fertilizers, and even water. The systems uh, we design in permaculture are an attempt to move away from the need to continually pour these endless amounts of energy into the systems that we design. In other words, we allow nature to create her own fertilizer with organic matter and the introduction of even animals into the, into the systems. Um, we allow nature to keep pests under control with balance and variety of species, um, and we catch and store water in the system as well. And with the thoughtful design, the evaporation process can uh, be slowed greatly with a careful selection of plant species even. So is, is your company, you know, because are, are, you have so much valuable information, and as you explain it, you know, like, I'm really interested in it, but I feel like, well, I, I would need you here, Ted, <laughs> you know, to basically live here and figure out my yard every day until I understood all this. Like, so it, it, it's, it, these are deep concepts. It is a lot to know. And so the question is, you know, do you have some examples of how permaculture, you know, how people are using it in a residential landscape kind of situation? Oh, uh, yeah. So I guess one of um, the, the key components of design is water catchment. I mean, and people everywhere are starting to really do this because of water shortages and droughts. Uh, many of us are now using, of course, rain tanks. You know about those. And, but it's not just enough to store water in a tank. Although tanks are, are used once in a while in permaculture, but nature, again, going back to our uh, example of observing nature, nature tends to store water in the soil itself. And so this is what we try to do in our designs. One of the ways we do this is with something called a swale. 
Now, a swale is a long trench uh, dug on the contour of land, and you'll find an example on, on my website as well. Um, so the contour of the land means that it's actually on the same level for the entire length of the swale. And then we feed this with our water catchment system. So it could be a roof or some flat surface that drains into the swale. And then waters plants from beneath the ground. Um, these trenches are then covered up by mulch, whether it be rock or wood chips, in order to prevent or slow evaporation. And the result is far less dependency on the water grid and um, moisture land lasting about, about say, three, three to four times longer than with conventional methods. Uh, another component that many people are using is what is called a wicking bed. Now, it's, uh, it's a little difficult to, scri- to describe over the air and without a diagram, but it's basically a self-watering container, a very large one. Um, and as well, you can find an explanation on my, on my website. But again, it is something that waters the soil from beneath. Um, this also, in effect, makes plants more resilient as they are forced to dig a little deeper with their roots in search of water instead of being pampered with a constant supply of water from the gardener on the surface of the soil. So there are countless other examples of new ideas people are trying every day, including herb spirals, mandala gardens, and of course food forests, um, which are a prime example of mimicking natural forests, with the only major difference being that they are designed to support human survival by, by basically feeding us. In other words, mainly to provide food for um, for families in our communities, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and so is it is it your job to to come up with what I'll call the strategy? Because there are these pieces, and for every home, it's different, and for every piece of land, it's different, and for every geography, uh, you know, there's a there's there's differences in in what is naturally provided versus what is you know a challenge. Do you? study the pieces of a given if someone contracts you and says I would love to you know grow my own food and I would love to have sustainable resources and through and through the connection to nature and do what what I heard on this show do you then look at the exact environment the sunshine the you know the weather the elements the ground the soil do you do an engineering study like what do you do to really and, and, and do you create a strategy for each person individually are they custom yeah no I do it all baby no, I don't. <laughs> Are you everything in the world, Tim? <laughs> I wish, actually. But I do um, as much research, I guess, as, as possible. Yeah. Uh, and included in that is sort of my interview with the clients themselves um, in, in order to understand what it is that, uh, that they've observed in the environment, in their immediate environment, as well as what their needs and their desires are. Um, so generally, I've done, you know, I, I guess mostly cold temperate climates uh, as far as designs go, but every person is different. And uh, even though the climate is relatively the same within, you know, both 40 square miles of here, but uh, it's, uh, it always comes down to research, basically, right? And yeah. You have to give yourself enough time to do that. Right. Right. And... And as you do that, I mean, do you have a particular role when you, when, I mean, I could ask you, how are you involved in permaculture? Because the, it, it, you're so passionate about it. You know so much about it. You, you clearly are a leader in this field. 
Um, is there a particular way that you're currently involved in it? Are, are you, you know, very specifically hands-on? Are you the leader of the innovative ideas that are coming forward? How do you consider yourself as being involved currently in this movement? Well, um, thanks for saying that I'm a leader. I'm, I'm actually doing a lot of learning myself uh, still. Every day is, is a learning adventure. That's um, what leaders do, but go ahead. Yes, oh, I, I know. I've heard that. <laughs> but, uh, as you mentioned, my, my company is called Prairie Sage Permaculture, and uh, in addition to providing designs uh, to res- residential clients mainly, as well as community garden designs, I also conduct workshops, uh, host retreats. I, I, I try to get into the community and um, educate people and, and young people and old people alike. Uh, I also host retreats every year and conduct what is known as the annual Calgary Permaculture Tour which is hmm. a day-long excursion through our city uh, to visit many of the other leaders in the permaculture and sustainability movement uh, to learn about new innovations that are happening in the community with regards to resiliency and um, sustainable living. So the tour is... Uh, I love doing this tour. Uh, it really connects me with, with people, and um, it's instrumental in sort of connecting the permaculture community with the general public and with each other, as well as being a creative way of learning what the field of permaculture is all about, even whether you're a novice or an expert. Right. Uh, And we finished the day with a locally grown and locally prepared organic meal where everyone has a chance to sort of visit and ask questions. And so it's really educational and... um, in addition to that, I'm currently beginning an online magazine uh, entitled Regeneration. I think you mentioned that earlier as well. And that will be due out later this fall. And this will be sort of a monthly journal in which you'll find stories about people who are coming up with new and innovative ways of healing our planet and our society. Um, it's about the pioneering spirit, basically, uh, going against outdated modes of thinking and challenging the fears and sentiments that have been sort of holding us back in our ability to think and act for ourselves. It's about uh, ordinary people establishing connections with their communities by bringing something new to the table and providing useful yields to other members of their communities. So this will be a a solutions-driven publication with stories that inspire positive change through acting from a place of genuine concern and love of humankind and life as a whole. I love it. Oh my gosh. Absolutely love it. Love people that take the time to, you know, be, be forward thinkers, visionaries and, and world changers, change makers, because, you know, it's one thing to know this stuff. And, and I honestly, it isn't like I was drawn to permaculture because I understood it. I was drawn to it because I didn't understand it. And I, I, you know, I want to learn and I certainly understand the environmental concerns and certainly understand benefits of, you know, sustainable uh, plans that we can design ourselves. But listening to you talk about the details and really listening to you talk about the principles has really enlightened me a lot. It's, it's very intriguing. It's, it's, it's compelling and it's, um, you know, I just want to say inviting because like, like I wish I was there. <laughs> like what a, what a great tour, you know, like to take people on a tour for a day and show them examples and make that connection. And what a great way for you to describe that you connect with the people, that people connect with the concept of permaculture and it all, 
connects into the neighborhoods of the whole community who are seeing this happen. So, um, you know, just really, really innovative. I just have to name such innovative thinking that you have going on here and that you're coming up with this magazine. You're welcome. <laughs> and I'm t- talking right over, but a magazine, you know, further education for, for positive change in the world. So what's the response from the people? Like what, what, you know, you said that, okay, young and old, and you know, are you getting just kind of whoever's exposed to it is interested or eh, 50, 50, like, do you, you know, what, what are people responding like? Yeah, it's actually been amazing. Like the, the re- response from people when, People first find out about that that this field even exists. It's uh, like they feel the sense of empowerment. I mean, when I first started studying this, I thought you know it, it was just going to be about uh, sustainability and the environment. I never dreamed people could be affected in, in such a positive way. <clears throat> I've actually had people come up to me after my tour, for example, and say, "Ted, you've changed my life," or I, I've had my entire worldview turned on its head. So <clears throat> immediately people go home and start making these changes and, and then they want to become more involved in the permaculture community and they start making connections and getting other members of their communities and families involved as well. I've also had a lot of interest from schools and uh, many of these schools are now into planting naturalization areas and gardens on the school grounds and they like edible gardens. Many are now looking at incorporating some of the more basic aspects of permaculture into the curriculum itself. So it's been phenomenal. It's, it's awesome. And, and, and the sky's the, the, the limit, really, on, on this. So. Really? I mean, I can, I can see that. And there's just, you know, I know you're not the only one who does this, but, boy, there's only one of you. We need more. We need, more, we need more of you so you can come, you know, out west and come to North America and come to California. And, you know, like I, I just there it is. I can see how people would be so affected, like you're saying, when and saying something like you've changed my life. But it takes being really exposed to what you are doing. I love that you're doing retreats. I love that you're doing workshops. You know, you are really tying in the dedication of enlightening people as opposed to just you know, naming some principles or something and thinking that, you know, people will really get the experiential piece of it. It's a little harder until you do the other things that you're yeah, doing. There's lots of room for plenty more of us too. So, uh, you know, like I say, the sky's the limit. Yeah. So, and, 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 you know, rich or poor, that wouldn't matter either, right? Because a poor person might really need to do this to help save the money and a rich person might really think, oh my gosh, like I want gardens everywhere. I want a beautiful landscape yeah. and trees, you know, right? It, it kind of fits everyone. Yeah, the, the clients uh, are very diverse, actually. So, um, and, and that's part of the job that, that I enjoy as well. So, it's great. Yeah, so, you know, in besides growing plants and food, how can we connect concepts of permaculture and other places in our life? Is there a way to answer that that's... Um, Yeah, so as far as connecting with with other areas of life, um, you can actually use the concepts of permaculture in virtually any situation in life, uh, as we discussed earlier. Anything regarding survival and life skills, and I believe even into um, spiritual fulfillment and well-being. People are now going back to using many of the more uh, simple materials such as cob and clay 
in order to uh, build their homes. And they're actually coming up with some very nice-looking homes. Um, permaculture principles can also be used in terms of uh, home energy as well for things such as electricity and heating water, and even relatively simple concepts are used in order to conserve energy. For example, planting a deciduous tree on the south side of a home can help to uh, moderate temperature, temperatures um, so that in the summertime when the leaves uh, are on the tree, they can shade the home, and in the wintertime, it actually uh, has no leaves on it anymore, and yeah. the sun comes in and, and warms the house through the windows. I love it. I just love all these innovative, you know, innovative ideas. I do have to close this show. Time flies. My gosh, I can't believe it's time to to do that. So you're going to hang with me while I do just a couple things to recap. But I do want to give my moment to say thank you so very much for you being on this show. It's really been enlightening. So thank you. So today's been a vital show because we are addressing sustainability. We are addressing, you know, I mean, partially, how can we create sustainability lifestyles with food, organics, protected from chemicals, you know, contributing to health? I mean, this is all a contribution to health, not just what we put in our body, but how we live. And we're addressing this as a paradigm. I believe it is a paradigm. The industrial age is growing far apart from Mother Nature and land quality and the potential for development and to be healthy. You know, we, we need to really pay attention to that. We don't want our capacity for health to diminish such that we've made some mistakes. So permaculture is a grassroots movement and it is revol- revolutionizing urban communities for the better. It is about health, it is about contribution, and it is about connection. I want to give you my Lindsay's Life secret. So here it goes. Some of us are all about the green movement, and some of us remain completely detached. But more than a movement, Ted Barr, Prairie Sage Permaculture, they're reintroducing us to a lifestyle. So I'm talking about a lifestyle here where we can combine the care of our health and our wellness with personal design innovations that truly matter connection and relationship, and frankly, even collaboration in nature, it's all a part of this concept. So there's no reason not to inquire further, not to look into permaculture, not to look at this website that we've mentioned. It can only help us provide and sustain health. And even further, it can empower us because we can make choices that can change the world. That's what Ted's doing. So that's powerful stuff. And so I'm, I'm so grateful that Ted was here. And I'm also grateful for you listeners. You come and you listen to these shows and you pick this show and you have so many choices, but you follow. And as I said, the community has grown from 20,000, 30,000, 40,000. It's getting bigger and bigger and it's a community that joins. And that's much of what Ted is talking about, communities that join to make a difference, to learn from each other, share wisdom and develop and collaborate so that we can have world change. And believe me, we're in need of some world change. So this particular part that he's talking about, I mean, it's truly life-sustaining and life-providing. So really, prairiesagepermaculture.com. Take a look at that. Honestly, I looked at the website. I learned a lot from it. It's why I invited him on the show. I reached out due to the interest and my intrigue with what he's doing. Until next week, I want to say this is your host, Lindsay Levinson. Of course, we're on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Our special guest has been Ted Barr from Prairie Sage Permaculture. And go ahead and add the .com so you can remember to look him up. 
check out his website, consider making a small change, any change, right? Any change matters. If you choose something in this area or you choose to get in touch with him or ask a question or learn something new or implement one little change in your life, what, what does that do? It gives you power and it makes you feel like a contributor, which gives you self-esteem. So it's all for the purpose of health. And in the meantime, people, please have a blessed week. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Please join Lindsay Levinson again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.